Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. I'm clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. This is Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. My name is Darren Pritchett, and welcome to Sports Beat on this Tuesday, May the 31st of 2022. It is eight minutes after five o'clock, and the program is being presented by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend baseball fans. This Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. For surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. We have sports speed until 645 tonight at 645. It is South Bend Cubs baseball. The Cubbies down in Dayton, Ohio tonight to take on the Dayton Dragons, the Cincinnati Reds affiliate. These two teams, two of the best in the Midwest League. They'll have fun during a six-game series in Dayton starting tonight right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, coming up over the next hour and 45 minutes in our next segment, we'll have our Twitter question of the day. We post a question every day on Twitter on my account at 960SportsBeat. We'll unveil today's question. We'll take a look at a preseason college football poll where the Irish stand, who are some of the teams in between them, and number one. We've got our My 5 question of the day at 5.53. Combining the NBA and NHL playoffs, who are the best five teams remaining in the postseason? In the 6 o'clock hour, we kick things off with a conversation with Mike Singer, recruiting insider for Notre Dame football at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We will talk about a couple of recruits, Micah Bell and Jordan Hall, Mike had an interesting recruiting story analyzing Notre Dame versus Michigan. Who's doing a better job in the recruiting circles? That story right now posted at blueandgold.com. And Mike will get into some of the details of the story. They got quite the reaction on social media. That's coming up during our recruiting segment at 6.07 in one hour. We'll have some sports wagering conversation also to get to coming up during the 6 o'clock hour. All coming up on Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sit back and relax. We've got some fun ahead on this installment of Sports Beat right here on WSBT Radio. 
The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, our first pitch tonight, I'll have some thoughts, but also going to give some time to allow Notre Dame baseball coach Link Jarrett to offer his thoughts on our top subject yesterday, the Notre Dame baseball team not hosting a regional this weekend. Now, as I've been talking about this Fighting Irish baseball program for the last month, my feelings were pretty simple. And this was very generically speaking. I wasn't breaking down all the teams in the country, but based on the people who do that type of work, including D1Baseball.com, the projections going into the weekend showed the Irish were solidly hosting a regional, one of 16 teams, and were arguably scrapping for a chance to be a national seed, which gives you the opportunity, if you win a regional, to host a super regional. Well, the shot came Sunday that the Irish were not one of the 16 teams hosting a regional this weekend, something they accomplished last year. They felt robbed that they were not a national seed. They were number 10, needed to be number 8 to host. Their reward for being the 10 seed, they had to go to one of the more toughest places to play college baseball, Mississippi State, and lost a heartbreaking three-game series. But this time around, Notre Dame did not win the ACC regular season title like they did walking away a year ago, but still had a strong resume, 14-7 and against the top 50 teams in the country. The second-best winning percentage of all Division I teams against the top 50 in the country. Only the number one overall seed in the tournament, Tennessee, had a better record against the top 50. They went 20-3. and 14-7, Notre Dame's record was number two. But in the eyes of the committee, the Irish did not do enough. In fact, it looks like they were team number 17, the top 16 host a regional, so they'll go to Georgia Southern for the regional. Now, Link Jarrett met the media for the first time this afternoon over in the Notre Dame baseball facilities and his first chance to offer his opinions on why the Irish were not hosting a regional this weekend. Instead, they're hitting the road for, I guess, a town about an hour south of Savannah, Georgia. So, the Irish baseball team, the players, they feel snubbed. Something they can obviously use for motivation. Not that you need motivation in the NCAA tournament, but it does add a little more fuel to the fire, so to speak. So, again, it seemed like a lock they would host a regional. Didn't happen. They made the tournament. They got a chance once again to get to Omaha. They got to win this regional, then likely go to Knoxville to take on the number one team of the country, the Tennessee Volunteers. But what about not hosting a regional? Let me tell you up front, Link Jarrett was 
I think very fair in his comments today. He understands the difficulty of the 10-member committee, the job they have trying to not only pick the 64 teams, seeding them, and figuring out which schools have earned the right to host the regionals, those 16 teams. So let's allow Link Jarrett to offer his thoughts on a process that can be very frustrating. It seems like the message or the qualifications or the criteria, what is emphasized, changes from year to year. I think we have had these same discussions in the past about the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It seems like one committee will emphasize one thing, another will focus on something else. That seems to be the case with the baseball selection committee because some of the things they talked about this weekend they were looking for, Notre Dame accomplished last year but didn't host a Super Regional. Bizarre. All right, here's Link Jarrett, Notre Dame baseball. Coach earlier today talking about his team not hosting a regional, and I think the first thing that stands out that the process, the criteria changing, it can be frustrating for college coaches. Did I think we had a chance to host? I did. Um, my reflection on this really goes back to last year. I think the committee's job is so difficult. Those 10 athletic directors have more on their plates than I can probably imagine. Them trying to decipher what matters the most each year continues to be a point of discussion for them, for all of us as coaches, and it affects so many programs nationally, and it affects the players, which is quite frankly the most important thing. Um, We have to figure out metrics that consistently work so that the programs know going into this what it is they're trying to do. Now, I've got my schedule built out through 2024. Um, Are we building the schedule the right way? There appears to be an emphasis at times, maybe more this year, on the strength of your non-conference games. Um, There was mention this year of um, doing something spectacular in the league to be a national seed. Last year, we won the conference by four and a half games. I don't think that had ever been done. But that didn't get us a national seed. So there's confusion across the country, and I'll speak for a lot of the coaches that I've discussed this with, on what we need to try to do to solidify entry into the tournament, to to solidify a host, and to solidify a national seed. And I know those 10 athletic directors sit in there and they grind it out. Um, I'm actually the representative on the calls leading up to one week prior to selection. So I taste a little bit of it. And it's hard just for us in the ACC and the other four conferences we evaluate to figure out how to rank those teams. So when they get to that room and those 10 ADs are sorting through it, it's difficult. I think we all need to figure out metrics that work, um, that are more consistent. And with today's technology um, and the ability to see these games, the availability of college baseball on streaming and on TV, I think there's an easier way to do this that might produce less controversial results. Because listening to Mike Buddy explain like what they're trying to do, it's difficult for him to talk through it. It's very hard. And I feel that the committee works at it 
Um, but I think it's hard to get to that point and sit in a room with 10 people and not have concrete calculations and measurements to decide who has made the cut and who has not. Well, the baseball committee has something similar to the basketball committee. They do have the quad system, although it is different in baseball. In basketball, the numbers are broken down. Home game, road game, neutral site game. Each of those games is looked at differently. Not in baseball. Everything is just lumped together in one category. The top 50, for example, in the quad one system are the top 50. And again, Notre Dame went 14-7 and seven against the top 50, second best winning percentage against the top 50 in the country, playing an extremely difficult conference, the ACC, that got nine teams in. But apparently, it wasn't good enough. The midweek games maybe was a factor. The Irish went out and scheduled seven games against Big Ten teams. Teams geographically close to Notre Dame that you can play midweek. Three of the games were in a tournament up in Minneapolis. But unfortunately, I think five of the seven games against those Big Ten teams turned out to be quad four games, the bottom of the barrel. So that didn't work out. In fact, Coach Jarrett mentioned today, beating Northwestern by double digits on the road actually hurt them in their strength of schedule, RPI, because Northwestern was so far down the list. So no doubt disappointing and I know what Link's talking about. We deal with it in other sports. How the criteria, what is emphasized, seems to change from year to year. Why can't we just have one set of criteria, let everybody know what it is, and then let's play ball. And you can schedule to help yourself. But apparently it's not that easy. So the last 48 hours, Coach Jarrett, the baseball team, has had to Take this disappointing news and then throw it aside because they have work to do. They have to go down to Georgia Southern and win this regional. You're going to a great place. I I love playing at Georgia Southern. Um, They deserve to host. Um, Our guys were upset that we didn't have a shot knowing that that came out on on Sunday night to host. They felt like they had played well enough. Texas Tech is a great team. UNCG, I know half the players there. Um, they had an incredible run and that to play seven games in the conference tournament. Remarkable run they went on. This is complete team baseball. When you walk into that stadium to play these teams, they're, they're all good. They're all complete. I've known Rod, Rodney and um, Tim Tadlock for decades. Billy Godwin's a close friend of mine. I know their style. I know these teams are well coached. Um, our guys going through the watch party, you know, they, they felt good about our chances, obviously. Great about our chances to be in. Um, but knowing how the last two years have played out, you know, looking at 2021 and, um, you know, what they did to not be a national seed because, I guess, of not playing enough outside games, when this year doing something – extraordinary in your league regular season seemed to be very important. That might not have been the case for us in 2021 because what we did in 2021 hadn't ever been done in the ACC. So I think that feeling of just a little frustration in the room 
was evident, but you know, sometimes I think these guys have played better when they're a little upset. So the chip on the shoulder has been something the last few years that we've cherished a little bit, and you know I think they have it. Um, these teams are really good that we're going to play. Everybody that's made it to this point, I, I told our guys, your number one goal in this is to be on that TV screen in some form or fashion when that field is announced, and clearly we are. Um, and if you're competing for your division or the overall outright lead in the ACC, then that TV should take care of itself on Selection Monday, as it did. So I'm very happy with where we are. Obviously, you know, to have the event here, that's a rewarding experience for the guys. And we had it last year. You know, last year you felt like you could have been one of the top eight. But it is what it is. You have to go play. You have to go beat good teams. Some of the comments of Notre Dame baseball coach Link Jarrett this afternoon, his first comments following the surprising news that his team is not hosting an NCAA tournament regional. Instead, they're going to Georgia Southern, and they are the number two seed. Georgia Southern, number one, the Irish two, Texas Tech three, UNC Greensboro, the team that Link Jarrett coached before coming to Notre Dame, They are the number four seed. The Irish will take on Texas Tech at a 2-3 matchup. Friday at 2 o'clock, you can watch the game on the ACC Network. And Coach Jarrett confirmed today that his ace, left-hander John Michael Bertrand, will get the baseball against the Red Raiders. Bertrand, 14 starts this year, a record of 8-2, a 2.39 earn run average, an all-ACC performer, he will try to win that always important first game. You lose that first game, you fall into the loser's bracket, and boy, you use up the pitching trying to get all the way back into the regional championship game. So that first one is always vitally important. The Irish got off to a great start in their regional last year. I mean, they pounded the baseball throughout that regional. Let's see if they can do it again down at Georgia Southern. Again, Friday, 2 o'clock, the Irish and the Texas Tech Red Raiders will meet in the first game of that regional, 7 o'clock Friday night. It is Georgia Southern versus UNC Greensboro. Disappointed bunch, but it's time to move on. Work to do. You can't let that get in the way of the job at hand. you got to focus in now on beating the Texas Tech Red Raiders. 525 is our time. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up in a couple of moments, our Twitter question of the day. As we have a Notre Dame football-related question, some of the Las Vegas odds makers have set the Notre Dame season win total. I'll give you that total, and would you go over or under? We'll talk about that coming up in a couple of moments. As Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues, On your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, sports fans, United Beverage Company of South Bend wants to thank you. Thank you for supporting our local economy. Thank you for shopping local, for dining local, for celebrating with your buds local. United Beverage, locally owned and operated, is proud to distribute the Anheuser-Busch family of beers. Quality name brands like Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, and now introduced... This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
All right, 531 at WSBT. Darren Pritchard with you on this Tuesday evening. My Twitter account is at 960SportsBeat. If you follow me, you can take part in our SportsBeat Twitter question of the day. Now, we were live yesterday on Memorial Day, but I did not post a question. So we'll go back to Friday's program. Here was the question that we asked you on Twitter. If you could pick one start time from these four choices for every single Notre Dame football game this year, which time would you pick? Your four choices, noon, 2.30, 3.30, and 7.30. Coming in fourth place in the voting, a noon kickoff. That got 10.5% of the vote. I would imagine that would not be a popular choice just from the standpoint it cuts into pregame tailgating. It opens the door for some monster postgame tailgating after a big win. But at the same time, that's pretty early start and people that travel to the game, who drive to the game, that makes it a little more difficult. So the noon kickoff, 10.5% of the vote. Third place in the voting, Every Notre Dame football game this year starting at 7.30. That got 18.6% of the vote. That's prime time every single week. That cuts into a lot of good social time for some fans. The Ohio State game, September 3rd is 7.30. October 8th, October 15th, both games 7.30 Eastern time. October 8th is BYU in Vegas, baby, and Stanford at home on the 15th. And the other 7.30 games so far this year is the home game November 5th against the Clemson Tigers. You would have to imagine Southern Cal will be that 8 o'clock Eastern time start. So there could be another primetime game on the schedule. Again, the question, if you could pick one start time from these four choices for every single Notre Dame football game this year, what time would you pick? Noon came in fourth place, 7.30 third place, second place in the voting, a 3.30 kickoff. That got 27.9% of the vote. That's been a popular start time the last few years. But as of right now, on the Notre Dame schedule, there is not a 3.30 kickoff. That's because a lot of games have now fallen into the winner of our vote. The 2.30 time slot, that got 43% of the vote. The first two Irish home games, Marshall, September 10th, California, September 17th, will kick off at 2.30. October 22nd, UNLV in town, that's a 2.30 kickoff. And Boston College at Notre Dame, November 19th. That's also a 2.30 kickoff. Now, we went through some of the start times. Keep in mind, several games do not have start times as of yet. September 24th against North Carolina. That's down in Chapel Hill. October 29th at the Carrier Dome against Syracuse. November 12th, Baltimore against the United States Naval Academy. Now, if I'm not mistaken, it was reported that game will start at noon, but I hope I'm not telling you wrong there. But within the last week, I thought we found out 
not from Notre Dame, but that game was going to start at noon. But, again, don't hold me to it. And then, of course, the Southern Cal game, November 26th, to be determined. On the USC football game notes, they always mention there are several ways of saying their name that they do not want to be said. And for whatever reason, they don't like to be called Southern Cal. It says on there, they don't want to be called Southern Cal. Notice on the Notre Dame website, they're listed as Southern Cal (laughs) on the schedule. Perfect. November 26th, Notre Dame at Southern Cal. That is the Twitter question of the day from Friday. Now to today's question, a fresh question. Oddsmakers have Notre Dame football's 2022 win total set at nine and a half. Do you believe the Irish will go over or under that nine and a half win total? The choices are obvious over nine and a half, under nine and a half. If you would like to take part in our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day, You can go on Twitter right now, find my account at 960SportsBeat. Vote, and we'll give you the results tomorrow here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But again, today's question, oddsmakers have Notre Dame football's 2022 win total set at 9.5. Do you believe the Irish will go over or under that 9.5 win total? So you need 10 wins to win the wager if you go over. The games of note at Ohio State's going to be a handful. BYU in Vegas can't overlook that football game. Clemson coming to Notre Dame Stadium. BC could be very competitive, and we know BC can rise up at times against the Irish. And then, of course, Southern California out at the Coliseum November the 26th. So have some fun with the vote. We'll go through the results tomorrow. Here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. If you're a football nerd, you can't get enough of football, even if it's May the 31st. Well, A, good news for you. We have reached the point where we are only 100 days away from the start of the NFL season. I believe the Notre Dame football first game, what, 94, 95 days away? So we are starting to get into double digits now as we inch closer to the start of the football season. We'll take a look at one of the way-too-early college football polls and who are some of the teams that Notre Dame hopefully will be competing against for a playoff spot in 2022. We'll get into that conversation coming up next. It is 538, and you are listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. Just listening to those highlights in that package right there. First, 
the voice of Tony Roberts calling Notre Dame football as good as it gets. Man, that was a wonderful era. And one of the most kind, gentle individuals you will ever run across. Sometimes they say that you shouldn't meet the guys you look up to or gals you look up to because they may disappoint you. Well, Tony Roberts was just like you thought he would be, just gracious, kind. There is There are a lot of people in his position that are too big to talk to other members of the media or fans, but Tony was absolutely the best. So hearing that great call just kind of gives you goosebumps. And then I think for my money, two of the most versatile broadcasters in our lifetime – we're in that package, Al Michaels and Mike Tirico. Michaels has done so many amazing things. I know he got kind of his big start with the Cincinnati Reds as a broadcaster. Went on in 1980 to have one of the most recognizable calls of all time. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Calling that American win over the Russians at the Olympics in Lake Placid. He was a part of the Earthquake World Series game in San Francisco. He has called so many big NFL games. I mean, on down the line, he can do anything. And Mike Tirico is the same way. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, golf, Olympics. He is just one of those guys that has it, and he can handle anything. But just listen to those calls. I mean, Tirico and Michaels, two guys as good as it gets, and they are so good at whatever sporting event they are handling at that particular time. But then there's Tony Roberts on a Notre Dame football Saturday. That is as good as it gets. 545, Darren Pritchett with you. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. The way-too-early college football polls are coming out. We've kicked around a couple of things on the ESPN way-too-early college football poll with Alabama number one, Notre Dame's first opponent, Ohio State number two, Georgia the defending champs, number three, only four defensive starters back from last year's title team. I think all the rest were taken in the first round of the NFL draft. The big surprise with the announcement that Pitt wide receiver Jordan Addison was moving from Pittsburgh to USC. The Trojans moved up from number 12 to number four in this way too early college football poll. They're thinking, I guess, that Caleb Williams to Jordan Addison – is going to be tough to stop. I'm kind of curious to see if the USC lines are going to be able to hold up against the best competition, a.k.a. the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. As someone pointed out on Twitter, Lincoln Riley is really good at seven-on-seven games, but you better have some quality guys up front on both sides of the football to beat the elite teams. And, hey, we know that in South Bend before this great run of defensive line recruiting, development, and play. It was tough for Notre Dame to compete against the elite teams, but they have closed the gap significantly in that area. But Notre Dame was number seven in the way-too-early college football poll. A couple of other Notre Dame opponents showed up in the top 25. The Clemson Tigers, a team that you could pretty much write in ink. They were going to the college football playoff each and every year. Stumbled last year. A rare down year for Dabo Sweeney. In Death Valley, but Clemson looking to bounce back and in this way too early college football poll, Clemson is number 12 in the country. They have a couple of new coordinators now. Brandon Streeter 
is the offensive coordinator. Wes Goodwin is on the defensive side of the football. Now, the Tigers lost three games last year. That's very uncharacteristic. And I think the one thing that surprised me the most about Clemson last year was based on what we saw in the COVID year game between Notre Dame and Clemson, just how promising their young quarterback was. When Trevor Lawrence couldn't play due to COVID, they had this young guy with a weird last name come in. And you know what? He was really, really good at Notre Dame Stadium. And I'm out of practice in saying his name. I had to look it up just to try to write it down to be able to halfway say it correctly. But hopefully, by the time we get to Clemson, I'll have it down again. I had it down at the time we played them, but now it's long gone in my brain. DJ Galale. That's close. We have to pick up the pace, but that's close. But DJ apparently has taken off about 25 pounds from last season, his first season as a full-time starter. Now, once spring football was complete, DJ was still the suspected starter for Clemson, but they brought in a young quarterback from high school, one of those five-star guys they get that is pushing him at this particular time. I believe his name is Klubnik, and he was an early enrollee, so he is pushing DJ right away. We'll see how good their defense is now with their defensive coordinator gone to become the head coach at Alabama. I'll tell you the one thing about Clemson, Their offensive line plays good, but it's never spectacular. Notre Dame has much better offensive line play consistently. And it's interesting, Notre Dame sends offensive linemen to the NFL. Clemson, that has not been a strong suit of theirs. And now with Harry Heastan back in charge of the offensive line, you would have to imagine the offensive line play will be even stronger in 2022. Another team on the Irish schedule in this way-too-early top 25 At number 19, the BYU Cougars, very quietly coming off back-to-back 10-win seasons. And they had Zach Wilson at quarterback two years ago, became the number two pick of the draft last year to the New York Jets. And the Cougars bring back pretty much all the key contributors from last year's football team that won double-digit games. In fact, BYU will return 88% of its production, according to ESPN's Bill Conley, and that ranks second in the FBS. One of the question marks is Jaron Hill, their quarterback. Can he stay healthy? And this is a BYU team that I think the expectation is out there at BYU. This is another team that has a chance to win 10 games this year. But the schedule is beefing up just a little bit. I think this is their final year as an independent BYU has home games against Baylor and a much-improved Arkansas team. A couple of years ago, seeing Arkansas on the schedule meant a W. They went a couple of years without winning a game in the Southeastern Conference. Now they're starting to turn things around, pig suey. BYU also has road games against Oregon, Boise State, and Stanford, and that little matchup in Vegas against the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. That game will take place on October the 8th at 7.30. So in the way-too-early college football polls, teams on the Irish schedule, Ohio State 2, 
You've got USC 4, Clemson 12, and Brigham Young University 19. 551 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Taryn Pritchett. 556 is your time in the My Five Question of the Day. Who are the five best teams remaining as we combine the NBA and NHL playoffs? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. I'm going to start with the team that is listed as the underdog in the NBA Finals. I've got the Boston Celtics coming in at number five. Defensively, you could argue the best team in the National Basketball Association. Miami's offense was not great anyway, not helped by the fact the Celtics can lock you down. They have so much athleticism on the floor. They can switch which could come in very handy against the Golden State Warriors' ball screen offense. But the Celtics, despite winning that series in seven games over Miami, had some near collapses. Game seven was put away, and they nearly allowed the Heat to steal it on Miami's home floor. Big moment for the Celtics. First time this group has been to the finals. It can be overwhelming at times. And they're going to start on the road against a team that's been there and done that, the Golden State Warriors. But I've got the Celtics at number five. Four. Coming in at number four, a team in the NHL Western Conference Final, the Edmonton Oilers. Boy, if you were alive in the 80s and you watched hockey, they had... The franchise, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Yari Curry, Paul Coffey, Grant Furin goal, Essa Tikkanen. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It was a loaded hockey team. Well, they're trying to win a cup once again. They're eight wins away, and they have a dynamic offense led by one of the best players in the NHL, arguably the best player, Connor McDavid. Seven goals, 19 assists, 26 points in 12 games. And Leon Dreisaitl also with 26 points. Evander Kane has 12 goals in 12 games. I worry about their goaltending. Mike Smith's got a 927 save percentage. That's okay. But now taking on a team on the Colorado Avalanche that's going to throw four lines at you. And their blue liners, a big part of the Colorado offense. So... I think the Oilers' run ends here, but they come in at number four on my list. Okay, okay, Uh, number three. Coming in at number three, the Blue Shirts, the New York Rangers. The Rangers got by the Carolina Hurricanes last night in a game seven in Raleigh to get to the Eastern Conference Final. Got a very balanced offensive attack. They've got a really good defenseman in Adam Fox, who has 18 points in 14 games. Chris Kreider, one of the great playoff players in recent years. He's got eight goals, three assists, 11 points. He scored for Boston College on a penalty shot in the dedication game. 
over at the Compton Family Ice Arena back in 2011. A game that Notre Dame won in the closing seconds on a tally by another guy in the NHL, Brian Russ. The Rangers looked like they were in trouble against Pittsburgh in the first round. They rebounded. They have won five elimination games so far this year. And they've got a very good shot. In fact, I think they will beat Tampa Bay. At the start of the playoffs, I had Colorado against the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final. There's a chance that'll happen, but the Lightning, the two-time defending champs, are a tough out. But they did not make my top five, which means I like the Rangers' chances to get to the Stanley Cup final. Number two. Who are the best five teams remaining as we combine the NBA and NHL playoffs at number two from the NBA Finals? I've got the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry trying to get another championship. You got Thompson back after the ACL. The Warriors are back to a place they're very familiar with, the Finals. What is this, Steph's fifth Finals appearance? They've been the favorite in All of those final appearances, they're the favorite once again against the Boston Celtics. Now, the Celtics can defend. Again, they can handle the ball screen offensive Golden State. They can switch due to their athleticism, but I think Golden State is just too much offensively. They're so good in transition. Golden State's going to have to play a little better defense here against Boston. I worry about Tatum going off against the Warriors. They don't have maybe that one guy that can lock him down consistently. I got Golden State winning the NBA Finals, and I've got them number two on my list as we combine the best teams left in the NBA and NHL playoffs. Number one. The team I picked to win the Cup at the start of the playoffs, the Colorado Avalanche. They were Tested against the St. Louis Blues before getting it done in game six scoring with what less than five seconds left in St. Louis to clinch the series. This is a team that will roll four lines at you, and they are not afraid to do so. A lot of teams will shorten their bench in certain situations, not Colorado. They will just roll those four lines at you, try to wear you down, and they are an enormously talented team. Kale McCarr, who faced the Irish in the NCAA tournament a few years ago in the regional final up in New Hampshire for UMass. He is one of the more skilled offensive players you will see. Playing along the blue line, tied for the team lead in points with 13. McCarr has three goals, 10 assists. Nathan McKinnon, eight goals, five assists, 13 points. Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, That is a matchup worth really pushing hard if you're TNT who is going to bring you the Western Conference Final on TV. I mean, that is a really, really outstanding matchup. They may not go toe-to-toe, but this is one of those situations two highly skilled and effective offensive players meeting in the Western Conference Finals. So the best five teams remaining, combining the NBA and NHL playoffs. Number five, the Celtics. Number four, the Oilers. Number three, the Rangers. The Warriors at two. And the Avalanche at number one. That is today's My Five Question of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll get things started. Notre Dame football recruiting conversation with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Mike Singer. That is moments away on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of serving Michiana. This is 960 AM WSBT South Bend. Leading off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run, Eloy Jimenez. Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. Here's Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Believe it or not, less than 100 days until the first Fighting Irish football game, which you can hear right here on WSBT radio. But recruiting never sleeps. It's game time for recruiting right now, Mike. This is still your time of the year. We have plenty to talk about, so let's get right to it. I want to ask you about a young man by the name of Micah Bell. His interest in Notre Dame and maybe offer a little information about who Micah Bell is. Interest seems high, Darren. And according to the on three recruiting prediction machine, Notre Dame's got a 95% chance to land them, which is, uh, you know, obviously pretty bold and high percentage for the world of recruiting and how things can change so quickly. But uh, just goes to show that Notre Dame's in a, in a really good position for him. To our knowledge, he's got one official visit set up in the month of June, and it's to Notre Dame. Um, so that's also usually a pretty good sign. Um, as far as the rankings go, he's anywhere from a three-star to a top 100 player. So these sites have different um, opinions on this young man. But um, Notre Dame, very high on him. After Justin Rett decommitted from the Fighting Irish, Bell uh, got his offer from the Irish, and uh, Notre Dame's really prioritized him in this in t- this 2023 class. So we'll officially visit Notre Dame um, the weekend of June 17th through the 19th, and if all goes well, Notre Dame will be getting a pretty darn good cornerback prospect. Mike, it seems like Notre Dame is involved in a lot of high-end cornerbacks at this time, ever since the decommitment you just talked about. I mean, it feels like the Irish are involved in several right now. Bell, definitely a big one. Christian Gray is the one that, I mean, I've been on your show talking about him for, um, you know, about a year or so. Um, He got his offer from the Irish last June um, at Irish Invasion Camp. So, I mean, mean, off the top of my head, those are like the two biggest ones that I could think of. There's certainly some others, but um, as of right now, you got Micah Bell and you got Christian Gray. Micah Tease is another four-star corner. I mean, look, after Rusty commitment, I mean, you're left with zero quarterback commits in this class, and you needed, if you're Notre Dame, two to three really talented guys at the position. So, Bell, I feel like Notre Dame's going to land. You know, LSU hired Robert Steeples as their cornerback's coach a few months ago, and Steeples um, was previously Christian Gray's high school head coach at the Smet in St. Louis. So, um, there's a really interesting connection there. Steeples actually interviewed for – 
the Notre Dame quarterback's coaching position that Mike Mickens ended up getting. So, um, again, more kind of um, wrinkles to, to this recruitment that's, that's interesting. But um, all in all, um, it, it's really important for Notre Dame to land Micah Bell and Christian Gray at the quarterback spot. For our WSBT radio listening audience, this interview also is available online on the Blue, Blue and Gold channel on YouTube. So I'm referencing something you showed during our conversation. When you had Micah Bell's profile up there, I noticed Old Miss. That's not something you see very often, Notre Dame and Ole Miss going after the same player. I know it's kind of off topic, but I found that kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I, I would love for Notre Dame to battle Ole Miss more because Lane Kiffin's a lot of fun. So anytime <laughs> we get some Lane Kiffin fun, Darren, I'm, I'm all for it. There's a lot of fun guys down there in the SEC to have some fun with. Uh, that Kelly guy and Lane Kiffin, although I don't think you want to get on Jimbo Fisher's bad side, but we'll leave that for another day. Hey, I got to ask you about a story you posted recently, and you usually tag me on your stories on Twitter, and my heavens, the notifications went crazy on your Notre Dame-Michigan recruiting story. Now, you asked the question, is Notre Dame pulling away from Michigan on the recruiting front? And we see the two head coaches right off the bat, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. No surprise, the Michigan fans got involved in the conversation, backing their guy who they now love all of a sudden. After they beat Ohio State one time, Mike, now he's a Michigan guy again. But seriously, you got a lot of response from that particular story. But I find it interesting. There's really good data to back up the headline that was posted. So for people that have not had the chance to read it, don't want you to give away everything, but give us a little small sample of how Notre Dame Michigan recruiting is going right now. When I tackled this article, I did not want to bring an emotional viewpoint on this or try to move the goalposts at all. Just going back to 2010, that's just a good, clean, round number to go to. How do these schools compare since then? In Notre Dame, I want to say it's maybe 55% of those classes is finished higher than, than Michigan, 55 or 60. You'll, you guys will have to go read the article at blueandgold.com, $1 for one-year premium access, of course. Um, and then you just look at this 2023 class and how many players on the Michigan commit list Notre Dame has offered, and then vice versa. How many of the 13 Notre Dame commits did the Fighting Irish beat out Michigan for? So we looked at 2022. So just look at here recently and then, you know, the past you know 11 years or so, how are these two teams battling it on the recruiting front? And look, I, I, I could have written this article about Notre Dame and USC or Notre Dame and Ohio State, Notre Dame and Clemson, like some of these other contemporaries for Notre Dame on, on the field and, um, you know, on the recruiting front. But Michigan, like even though the Irish aren't playing Michigan for another 10 years or 11 years, I'm very aware that fighting Irish fans despise Michigan the most. So that's the, that's the school I wanted to, to, to have this article, you know, uh, be based on is Notre Dame versus Michigan. And, it just seems like Notre Dame is recruiting at a higher caliber right now than Michigan. Can that change? Absolutely. We have, what, six and a half months until National Signing Day. But right now, the last time I checked, when I wrote that article, Michigan had six commitments, two ranked inside the top 400, according to the 2023 on-3 consensus. Comparatively, 12 of Notre Dame's 13 commits are ranked in the top 400. So, again, a lot can change. Of course, Michigan's going to sign, you know, 20 more players or whatever it is in this cycle. But, you know, uh, you know, 
you look at the past couple of years, Notre Dame is going one way. Michigan seems to be going a different direction. Can I bring up something a couple of people posted in response to your article? There were a couple of people that brought up the fact that Jim Harbaugh, when he first got to Michigan, was doing all these wild recruiting things. I mean, he had a sleepover at a guy's house. They were taking overseas trips to practice. So they were doing a lot of things. And a couple of people posted wondering if Jim Harbaugh got burned out and now he's not doing such high-profile recruiting stuff. Then the conversation became, do we have to worry about Marcus Freeman burning out because he is on the go all the time, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Should that be a concern? I mean, he's a human being, so sure, I guess. But, you know, for Freeman, you got to have a really good support system, which I think he does. you got to have good structure. There's got to be, you know, good plan in place that there's people around them are saying, hey, here's the guys you got to contact this day. You know, you know there's got to be some of that or you will burn out. But from what I know about Marcus Freeman, I personally would not have concern about that. If recruiting is in your DNA, then you just kind of live and breathe it and it it won't burn you out you know again given that you have a good plan in place but just recruiting that's marcus freeman i mean the, the guy just has that aura of and we talked about this okay just last friday when i was on your show there like freeman just has this aura about him that you know he's just has this infectious personality whether he's talking to recruits or he's at some notre dame alumni club or you know whatever it is he's still recruiting if that makes sense like he's selling just seems like all the time he's selling himself he's selling notre dame he's selling the vision of the program um i just think so again whether it's high school prospects or you know getting coaches to come to notre dame whatever it is he's recruiting is just who he is um so no i i personally don't think he'll get burned out um but i, I did see those comments darren and not a concern well, I'll add my two cents worth. Some coaches love recruiting, others don't, and the ones that love it aren't going to get burned out. Well, I, I, I should have just uh, said that. That would have been a lot easier to get to the point there. <laughs> See, that's the novice recruiting guy, keeping it really overly simple. So, Well, that's you, yeah, that was a five-second answer that I could have given. I should have given because that's a lot uh, – yeah, I gave a very long answer to say that same thing. But yeah, the guy just lives and breathes recruiting. It's just who he is, so I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I love your answer. Mike Singer, Recruiting Insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Something else you wrote recently, five things that kind of caught your attention recruiting-wise or things that are coming up. You mentioned Notre Dame is set for a monster summer when it comes to recruiting. Can you define just a little bit what a monster summer might look like? Yeah, I don't know. Monster is just a, a word I use probably too frequently. You know, major recruiting, so whatever it is. So Notre Dame had big recruiting weekends in March. It was like the March 17th weekend. And they had a big weekend for the Blue Gold game. What I had said a lot during those times was those marches as it's set up for May commitments. And we saw, I think, four new commitments in May. So now you're going to have these June official visits. You have um, an offensive lineman, Elijah Page, from Phoenix. He's, he's doing this weekend. Big, 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 big recruiting weekend, June 10th. 
June 17th, all massive official visit weekend. So you're going to have those labor pay off with, you know, whether it's the kids announcing during their visits or right afterwards or 4th of July or sometime in July, August, whatever it is, you know, that that's when you're going to see a lot of these kids commit to Notre Dame. So the, the fruits of the labor um, will, will pay off here. So that's when I say monster summer. It's not only these big recruiting weekends, Darren, but it's also the kids who are committing. A lot of them will do it during the summer because they want to commit before the start of their senior season to lock in that spot and focus on their senior campaign. Also, the Notre Dame staff wants to have the bulk of their 2023 recruiting done before the start of their season so they can give as much focus as humanly possible to the football season. So, um, yeah, big, big summer for Notre Dame. Are they going to sign a top five class? Uh, the answer to that question will largely depend on how well they, they close this summer. I have a follow-up question, but only the diehard recruiting guys and gals will get this because this is going deep into something you talked about last year. Maybe one of the keys for a monster summer is going to be changing the barbecue recipe. Maybe Marcus will do that. Hey, man, I, do, I remember that conversation that we had. Yeah, it's all about that seasoning. We, yeah, <laughs> if you're going to have some barbecue, oh, we need a good rub. There, we need a good dry rub for, for some ribs. Yeah. I want to ask you about Jordan Hall, a linebacker that the Irish are interested in. But before I ask you about him specifically, what a recruiting haul last year at the linebacker position. I, mean, I know you love that linebacker group, and we got a sense of them during spring football. After you have such a great class, can you talk about the keys for this particular recruiting cycle, what the Irish might be looking for out of their linebacking recruitments? Yeah, so they already have two linebackers committed. Um, you, you have Preston Zinter, who's you know pretty athletic guy. I think he could play. Mike Will or Rover, uh, and then you have Drake Bowen, the in-state player, um, who really, I mean, he's super athletic as well. He could play, uh, probably see him as a, as a Mike or a Will. And then they're looking at taking one more linebacker in this class. Jaden Osbury seems like the, the player that the staff has zeroed in on. They really, really would like to land. Um, I think his high school university lab is literally – on LSU's campus. His dad, Verge, um, I think played at LSU and currently works at LSU too. So that would be quite the recruiting win, Darren. Uh, and, and then you look at a guy like Jordan Hall um, from Bradenton, um, Florida. He's from Virginia, but attends school at Bradenton, Florida, IMG Academy. He also has his teammate, um, Samuel Pemba, is, is a big-time linebacker. Uh, who Notre Dame's after. So Hall is more of a Mike and Pemba's more of a, a, a Rovers, maybe even a Viper. He's just what I would call a defensive athlete. So all of these guys I just mentioned officially visiting Notre Dame in June, whether it's those two commits or Hall and Pemba or Osbury. So um, Notre Dame should be able to get a, a pretty darn good third linebacker. And I mean, as long as Marcus Freeman's the coach at Notre Dame, you, you should expect for the Irish to have some pretty darn good linebacker classes. You are so locked in on football recruiting. Have you happened to run across the Bowen kid from Northwest Indiana swinging a baseball bat? I have. Last summer he was playing in a tournament down here in Atlanta. And, um, you know, I was more rubbing elbows with his, <laughs> uh, with his pops. But, uh, you know, 
yeah, you know, he's a darn good player, and uh, even his younger brother Dylan uh, Bowen, he, he's a darn good looking player too. So um, yeah, maybe maybe uh, even some some more Bowens in the future at Notre Dame. Yeah, that ball zings off his bat pretty good. That looks like a Division One bat, possibly as well. Well, he's going to play for Link Jarrett, yep. so yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, a lot going on. I mean, that was just a sample of some of the things that you've talked about at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, or tweeting out as well. And the greatest offer known to man is still available. As it says on the screen right here, right below me. Yep, dollar for one year premium access at blueandgold.com. So Wednesday starts camp season at Notre Dame. We'll have several camps. Um, you know, there, there's a few prospects of note on campus. Wednesday, you can find the preview of that article Wednesday morning at blueandgold.com. Irish Invasion this weekend, the Lineman's Challenge. You'll have Sunday night football, June 12th. Um, more evaluation camps. So while you have all these big official visit weekends, um, Bloom and Gold will be at most of these camps where the Notre Dame staff will be looking at these prospects. We'll get to watch them as well. Um, so all sorts of good footage and analysis we'll have on the site as well. So, I mean, I say this every single time I talk to you, Darren. Now is the perfect time to sign up for BloomGold.com. Uh, there's really not a bad time to sign up, and now is definitely a good time. Finally, you're based in Georgia. Give me a sense. The Irish baseball team is playing in Statesboro, Georgia, Georgia Southern. How far is that from you? And can Tyler Horka hang out? I really don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I had. I have not been to Georgia Southern. It's, it's not on the way of anywhere I would be driving. I know that. I, I mean, Darren, I, I am so busy with Notre Dame football recruiting coverage that I didn't even know that they were playing George Southern. So, so uh, that that's news to me. But yes, it, I mean, everything in George is drivable. So yeah, come on down, Tyler. See, I threw that softball at you, knowing that you were so focused on football that, you know, who cares about Statesboro, Georgia? So, until a kid is there that's no really idea. really good that plays football, then you'll love it. <laughs> There you go. Right. Yep, there you go, Darren. Hey, Mike, good to be with you. Thanks, as always, for the conversation. Mike Singer, Recruiting Insider, Blue and Gold, Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Darren. That's Mike Singer. More Sports Beat in a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Money, money, money. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 6.33 at WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. After Budweiser's weekday sports beat, South Bend Cubs baseball on WSBT radio. Pre-game 6.45. First pitch 7.05. South Bend visiting the Dayton Dragons. Let's talk some sports wagering. And are we going to Sizzler sports wagering segment? Let's go back to yesterday's program to see how the suggestions fared. We'll start with Major League Baseball. This was a stretch. Kind of hoping for the mighty Dodgers to overpower the lowly Pirates with Walker Bueller starting for the Dodgers, their ace right-hander. I went for... The big swing, Dodgers minus two and a half runs against the Pirates at minus 105. Turned on the game. It was already 3-0 Pirates early in the game. Dodgers had to win by three runs to win this wager. Not a good choice. Pirates ended up winning the game outright. 
six to five. So that would have been a nice underdog pick last night. The Buckos over the Dodgers in Chavez Ravine. The second selection last night was the Diamondbacks at home taking on the Atlanta Braves. I went with the underdog at home, the Diamondbacks behind Zach Gallian, who I like a whole lot. I have backed him a couple of times already this year successfully. And I got the Diamondbacks on the money line at home against the Braves at plus 100. And the Diamondbacks came up with the victory last night over the world champs. Diamondbacks 6, Braves 2. Zach, nice job once again. Thank you. The third selection from last night's program from Wrigley Field in Chicago, the Cubs taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. And I just went with the better baseball team. Plain and simple. The Brewers on the money line over the Cubbies at minus 135, and the better team won. Brewers beat the Cubs 3-1. to one. Sometimes you don't need all that analytics or stats or trends. Sometimes it's a gut, and that was a gut last night. And the fourth selection last night, this one I'm kicking myself. I should have known better because at the start of the playoffs, my Stanley Cup final prediction was Colorado against the New York Rangers. And last night, I switched my pick to the Hurricanes over the Rangers because of the trend of the home team just dominating. The Canes were so good at home in the playoffs, they couldn't win on the road. I went with that trend, and as I just said a moment ago, sometimes go with your gut, forget the trends, the numbers, and I didn't do that. And the team I picked to go to the Stanley Cup final, I picked against them last night. Dumb, 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 and dumber. I'm Jeff Daniels in Dumb and Dumber. Good grief. What am I thinking? Well, Canes lost 6-2, and the Rangers are on to the Eastern Conference Final. Our underdog pick last night was a winner. I took the Rockies on the money line against the Marlins at plus 130. That was a nice payout as the Rockies easily took care of the Marlins 7-1. to So officially, 2-for-2 two two on the day plus the underdog win. So... Two and two for the week, and right now in May, we are 24 and 15, with this being the final day of the month. So no matter what happens tonight, the month of May was really, really good. But let's see if we can make it a little better. The four suggestions for tonight, right back to the Brewers on the money line against the Cubs at minus 130. Justin Steele is such an awesome kid around him here in South Bend was a starting pitcher for the South Bend Cubs. He's got to the majors. He has struggled recently. And because of that, I'm going to go with Milwaukee to beat the Cubs and steal tonight. I'll take the Brewers on the money line at minus 130. Plus, Eric Lauer has been lights out. I just watched him pitch against St. Louis, and that lefty has it rolling right now. I'm going to go with the road underdog, the Rays on the money line. At Texas, I'm going to back Ryan Yarborough over Martin Perez. Perez has been lights out this year, and it's time for him to get roughed up. I think the Rays will do it. I'll take the Rays on the money line at plus 100. This one I've gone back and forth on, but I'm going to back St. Louis tonight at home against San Diego at minus 130. I'll take the Redbirds on the money line, backing Adam Wainwright against a struggling Blake Snell, who is come off the disabled list, or excuse me, came off the injured list, and he has struggled his first couple of starts. I'm going to assume that will continue tonight. 
I'm going to take St. Louis on the money line against San Diego at minus 130. That's not my favorite of the four picks. And the four selection tonight, I'm going to go for a quiet offensive game to start the Western Conference Final. Avs and Oilers under seven goals in Denver. I'll take that wager at minus 135. I think this is going to be a 4-1 to type win for the Colorado Avalanche. Speaking of that, my underdog pick of the day, let's go right back to the Avalanche, minus one and a half goals. So they have to win by two to win this wager. I'll take the Avs as my underdog pick, minus one and a half goals, and that's at plus 130. So the main selections for tonight, Brewers on the money line, Rays on the money line, Cardinals on the money line, and Avs Oilers under seven goals. Good luck tonight with your selections. And that'll do it for our sports wagering segment for tonight and also for Sports Beat for this Tuesday, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Tim Ground State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Thank you so much for joining me for Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat tonight. We're back tomorrow at 5 o'clock on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.